0: <clears throat> Hello. Okay. What up, light listeners, and welcome to another show. I've, I've actually lost track of which show we're on now. Episode forty-nine, I think. um With myself, Ben, <laughs> and Josh, and uh, and a special guest for the week, Claudius. Hey guys. How you
1: doing? How you there, mate?
2: I'm all right. I'm all right.
0: So, as usual, we'll give a, a roundup of the the, the news, um, going through the pain of doing so, so you don't have to. Um, so where should we get started? It's been a bit of a busy week, actually, I noticed, when I was pulling the news together yesterday. It's been the greatest week of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so where should we kick I, off?
1: I, I think we should start off with... Um... There's, a lot, there's been a lot in Brexit this week. There's been a lot with um, in France and the, the, the fuel protests. Um, I think we'll start with Brexit. Uh, at, at, like at, there. We'll, yeah, we'll start with Brexit, and we'll, go to, we'll move on to, we'll go to international news later. So we start with Brexit. And earlier in the week, Theresa May came out and said um, she's, she's going to open. They open, and she's open Sorry, they're going to do um, crunch talks in Parliament uh, over Brexit. And um, you've had this week with Amber, is it Amber Rudd coming out, saying, offering a plan B if if Trina um, if May's uh, initial Brexit plan didn't get voted through Parliament. So it's... Anything- she didn't... She, I
0: mean, she, she said it's a plausible option. She she didn't really put it forward. She's just the first person to mention yeah. it. I don't, I, she, there's no there's no plan B that she mentions, though. She, she just says, oh, yeah, well, there could be a fullback. No shit show. Sure, yeah. Like.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it's, I find it quite inter- interesting Theresa May's um, tactics here because it looks like she is campaigning for, because the, the way she's gone around, she, so when when the plan was initially raised and around the country trying to promote it, and stuff, it sounds like they're preparing for a people's vote, because I, I, I don't see how they're going to get this, they're going to get this push through Parliament, and Europe's already said that. There is no plan B in regards to if you go back to us, we're not going to give you a better deal than that. Than the one we've already proposed with Theresa May. So my only thing, my only thinking is that Theresa May is planning for. Although she says that, although she's saying this and that, and she and um, she's saying this, this deal, no deal, or a hard Brexit. I'm pretty sure that it looks like they're
0: planning for a plan for a uh, people's vote in the new year. I don't see that. I, I, and I don't I don't think that she is either. I think you'll f So from her going around the country from all of her ministers, they're basically saying, get behind this deal because it's this deal or no deal. Everybody else seems to be considering the view, even even to the point of I noticed uh, one of the stories I posted is the guy who's in charge of um, the Leave Means Leave campaign. Yeah is actually putting forward the point that they want another Brexit vote now because they're not happy with the Brexit deal that's on the table. It's, it's not what they voted for. So that that's a bit of a flip turn, right? Not only are uh, her, her own team and some of the Remainers saying, actually, we don't like this deal. She's got the people who were in ch- well, charged with, so to speak, or themselves in self-charge, I guess, um, of campaigning for the Leave vote and now saying, actually, we don't even like this because this isn't the Leave that we voted for.
2: I think they'll try and push I, – I know there's the EU are saying that there's no other option. I do think there's still the option of going back to a Norway-style style deal. I think that that would make more sense to the Brexiteers because, look, polling has shown that the sort of main reason, whilst Remain is even like myself, I'm a Remainer, but I guess I don't have this view – have kind of peddled the idea that immigration was the sole only reason and xenophobia, that's why people voted. Turned out, even from the Ashcroft poll, that sovereignty, the ability to strike deals outside, is actually pretty high up. The Norway-style deal allows them to do that. It just gives up the immigration thing. You're still going to have to have free movement of people. I think she'll be willing to trade that off, and I think the Brexiteers might be willing to trade it off. I genuinely think we might just go back to a Norway deal. Like I, I think that I think that that could come back. I
0: honestly do. So, so that's the plan B that Amber Rudd mentioned. I don't, I don't see the Brexiteers coming. So, the Brexiteers are already unhappy that they think that Theresa May's deal is Brexit in name only. Well, the uh-huh. Norway one is Brexit in name only on steroids. You basically stay in the same economic area as the EU. Migration still goes on. Um, I mean, I don't mind. For me that's if we have to go with brexit from my point of view as a remainer and in the interest of the economy then if there has to be a deal that would make sense if we still need to go through this but from a brexiteers point of view, that literally is all you are doing is leaving the eu in name you're not leaving it in, in basically any other manner that they've got, at least not that they voted for anyway so i it's get the what you're ability saying, to but... strike
2: the deals that that's that's gonna be the that's the the crux. So this... This one that we have now, apparently, the ability to strike, to strike deals outside of that is restricted whilst you're in it. And it can be vetoed by the EU at any point. It can't under the Norway deal. Norway can strike deals wherever it wants and still work within the EU. It just has to give up the free movement of people. So that, that's what I'm saying. I think it's going to be a balance. And I think if she's gambling that people in the country actually don't care that much about immigration as much as Remainers have said Brexiters do, but what they really do care about is a sovereignty thing. I, I could see her putting it up. I don't know if it will, I don't know if Bre- hardcore Brexiteers will support it, the MPs. But I think she might try and take that gamble. It might be an elect- a, a suicidal sort of act,
0: but I think she might try it. I, I really do. Yeah, I still don't. I, I mean, I, I, I get all the points you're making. I just... I don't see her getting the buy-in from people for that. Because, again, part of it is... I mean, we're still going to be paying... When we say sovereignty, yes, but... I, I don't think that that's the reason that a lot of Brexiteers voted for this for. They're not going to be happy with the fact that we still have to pay in money to the EU, which, which, well, for some of them was a a key crux of what they're not unhappy about um, today anyway. So I I, I get what you're saying completely from a, a common sense point of view. Um, but from a strictly but, principle point of view, if they go down that route, I think the Brexiteers will just say, "Well, this is this is bollocks, basically." And it does, in fairness, it does address it. It gets rid of the Northern Ireland hard border issue, right? Which is yeah. basically the whole thing that's holding this up. But yeah. I do think that the hard hardline Brexiteers will just dig their heels in and say, "Well, you haven't given us anything that we are." That is true. Now. But, but hold on, isn't it? Isn't that
1: isn't the Norway deal? Wouldn't the Norway deal? Um some of the Tory, the Tory members who want a Brexit deal at at this point in time because if, there is there is a there is a, 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 a divide between I said it all along there's a divide between the Tory the Tory MPs that want Brexit and the ordinary working class person that wants or working class person that's voted for Brexit there, there's a difference in why they want the Brexit and. The Norway deal kind of placates the people, the Tories, because the, the, the most of the, the Tory ministers that were that wanted Brexit, most of their thing was sovereignty. Their their whole their whole issues they they've always been annoyed about is that Europe, Euro, European law, um, supersedes Parliament, and they've always been annoyed. But they, they, don't, they don't they don't they've always been annoyed by that. They don't understand why when it comes to um, employment rights, they can't, can't they can't move to an American model. They have to always be um, beholden to the European model, and um, when it comes to Trading rights and, and uh, market market laws, they always have to be beholden to European laws instead of their own laws. So. I can understand. Um, I see both sides of I see both sides of what you're saying because I do agree that most Brexiters, most people that vote for Brexit, wouldn't care about the mandate. I think immigration was quite high up on their on the priorities. But I think for to get um, Tory ministers on on board, the Norway deal sounds like the best like, the best option she has. Yeah, but you have to
0: remember that the Norway deal isn't actually there yet. So we're we're talking about it uh, as in. Somebody's offered a plan B and this is a viable plan B, but it's not, it's not actually an option there yet. Like, so when it goes in on, the question is when the vote goes in on Tuesday, what are we looking at? Is she going to get 30 to 40? Because they're basically saying, well, look, the EU are saying we're not going to change our position on this. This is the best deal that you're getting. Everybody is saying, well, she's got one chance to get this through. Now, if she gets 30 to 40 votes against her... Could she go back and say, well, actually, yeah, that's enough for me to to say, yeah, I'll go for a, a Norway-ish type of deal and make changes? If she gets 70 to 80 votes against her, then boy, that's the, then how do we even get that on the table? Because that calls even her leadership well, into position, let alone her negotiation position.
2: I think there's a worry. There's a, I'm very concerned with the sort of, I don't mean people who voted Remain when I say Remainers, because I voted Remain. Much like I don't mean Brexiteers when I say people who voted Brexit, but people who identify as those things as like their core kind of there's no kind of there's no way, no leeway on this. I'm concerned with the tone in the past few weeks. I've been saying this for a while, but it seems to have intensified about just how a second referendum would almost just poof solve all the problems. It, I genuinely think people will be surprised if you put. No deal on the table. And you put going back in the EU, and that was the only options, because people don't like this deal that's available. I'm still up in the Midlands. I've traveled up. I'm still there right now. People and people around there voted leave. People's The general vibe hasn't changed. If anything, I think people have dug their heels in more. And I do think people should probably just take this deal. That's my honest belief. I'm kind of with the CDI on it, in terms of just protecting... Jobs, I think it's a good idea. I think the option really is no deal. I don't think people will go for a remain. I don't see this great change that I guess my fellow kind of remainers have told me that they're seeing amongst Brexiteers. Not in the people I haven't. I've just seen people tell them that they've changed their mind. So I'm
0: I'm fearful of it. So so my problem with that is I think it's dangerous to go for for that approach that Theresa May put forward. She's basically said, look, she's almost said, but people are almost acknowledging the fact that this is a shit deal, right? But yeah. she's saying, well, we have to take this deal because there's nothing else on the table. Let's remember, there are actually multiple alternatives on the table here, right? So this week, the High Court basically said that we, we can, in effect, pull out of Article 50 without <laughs> the agreement of the 27 EU states, right? We can also... We would have to get the agreement of the 27 um, member states to delay it. The likelihood is is they'd be happy enough with that anyway. So even if we go for a people's vote, the likelihood is is you can't achieve that before March. So we would have to. So even if that happens, so you've got Tuesday. If we look at timeline perspective, you've yeah. got Tuesday, which is what the the 12th, right? No, the 11th. Sorry. So you've got the 11th. Then there would have to be the fallout from that. The reality is is their Christmas would have to be cancelled. But there isn't likely to be a plan until last week of december or start of january right as to whether there would be a second referendum then if there's a second referendum there would be the argument well we need campaigning time right Mm -hmm. and then even if you get that campaign through and say you have the referendum at the end of january dependent on the outcome you'd have to hedge your bets on saying well if the outcome goes in a route of saying yep yeah, we want to leave but we don't like this deal then that can't be achieved in the two months that's left, right? So you've got the point of view from the fallout that says you might have to go to the EU member states and mm-hmm. say actually we want to delay Article 50, are you in line with that? Because Article 50 does state that there's a two year deadline but can be extended by that's agreement, coming. right? So, so so it's all there my, my concern for this is I just don't feel, and maybe it's just the rhetoric that she's putting out forwards, but I'm not getting the general consensus here that my problem with this is Theresa May is not backing down from her position. Now, and I agree with you with what you said, Claude, that there are... It's become a political identity, right? You're a Remainer or you're a Brexiteer. I'm actually neither. I voted to remain in the interests of Uh, Great Britain and its economy. Um, Therefore, my view is the government should be doing the same. Forget about remain or leave. You should be looking at where do we get the best deal that looks for the interest of this country. Now, what Theresa May is basically doing is saying, I'm doubling down on my position now. All of this feels like Theresa May versus the rest of the government, which I get why she's feeling she has to play that position as Prime Minister, but she's now playing it to such a point that I think she's chucking the best interests out here and I'm concerned that actually no one's thinking, okay, if this does go wrong on Tuesday, then what are our, all of our viable options? Because I don't think they're thinking, okay, if that happens, what does the timeline look like if we need to, are we thinking about yet yeah, we're going to go to the EU and we're going to say yet yeah, we want to extend Article 50? Are we thinking about what the timelines would be like and the requirements would be if we need to hold a second people's vote are we thinking about on that second people's vote what would be the actual options on the poll would it be leave i.e we want to leave but we want to leave under a new deal therefore we want to extend article 50 and negotiate that would it be leave and leave on this deal which would still mean that there would be a lot of work that would have to be done by the government to articulate what is in this deal because it's still not clear to the general public here unless unless you're paying attention to it what is not clear to the general public the reason that they can't get the details that i think some people would want to have is because that's not the purpose of article 50. article 50 is merely to agree your divorce settlement right so all of the hoo-ha we've gone through in the last two years just to get to a point of where we think we're on amicable terms to leave is before we even enter into the low-level detail of all of this right which is why article 50 in itself is difficult because all of the options that are on the table in this divorce bill are basically inconclusive. But without the deal being its purpose to actually define the future agreement, which is not its purpose, then it's very difficult to get the assurances that the Brexiteers are seeking anyway. It's it's all just a... a, a I, frankly, it's a giant political clusterfuck. I, I agree with you almost a million percent.
2: But I, I guess my... This is where I say my concern is almost annoyance the day after the referendum or a couple of days after the referendum, I feel like the opportunity should have been taken by, I guess, the remain side to automatically move to a position of completely enthusiastically accepting the result and only focusing on the argument of what does the deal look like. But what what's happened for the past two years is essentially, if I'm really honest, people just wanting to rerun it. So we've had the Gianna Mella or what's the legalities of this? Then we've had people like David Lammy standing up in parliament saying, let's end this madness now, and we could just reverse it. And it's been this pretty much for two years, just been people trying to find ways to reverse it rather than imposing themselves forcefully on the conversation of, well, what would the deal look like? And so what's happened is it's been allowed to just be the kind of Theresa May show, where she's having to kind of pander to the Brexiteers because she's had no support from the Remain side as to what the deal should look like. They've been busy arguing yeah, about just trying know? to trying to take us back in. And uh, that, I, yeah, sorry.
1: I, I get what you're saying. I get, I, I, and I, I agree with you, but this is, why, this is my frustration with the Labour Party because the Labour Party, you'd you, you expect them to, if they were voting to remain and what and elements of the party to you remain. They would. They would be proposing alternative measures when it comes to Brexit. When you when you look at the the, the Labour Party, the Brit, political landscape in the UK. When it, when you when you look at Theresa May, she's got her plan. you you go to you turn to Corbyn and you ask him what's his plan. He doesn't fucking know. It, 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 you have no from the Labour Party from the from the opposition party in the UK. You have no viable alternative in the sense of okay, the Tory Party uh, messed this up, and the Labour Party comes inside. You we don't know what they're gonna do because when. When you when you hear when you when you hear them inter- yes. interviewing Corbyn, and they say and they say, so what are you going to do different? You got will go back to Europe, but Europe's already told you that's the best deal you're going to get. So the, it, and and for Brexit, Brexit is a class of fuck of um Tories messing it up. But then you, the, the alternatives in the UK for the Labour, this, this is bad because the very um, difficult though for Corbyn. I'm not
2: a Corbyn fan, I, I can say that quite freely. But that's very difficult for Corbyn because ultimately he knows his base consists of a lot of youngsters and when you listen to young people talk about the eu and talk about corbyn they do this double thing which i don't think they they understand they're doing so they'll say they'll kind of post things if you just talk anecdotally like oh if you vote eu so if you vote leave just unfriend me now like just crazy little (laughs) young stuff but then at the same time they'll say what we really need is the socialist movement, blah, 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 blah. I don't think they get that the EU is not socialist. I, I, and I mean that generally. I don't think they get it's a capitalistic idea. It's about markets and trade. I don't think they get that. And I think what Corbyn has to then balance is, <laughs> he has to balance these hopes and aspirations of these youngsters. You kind of see him as like literally JC and Jesus Christ actually <laughs> Corbyn. Corbyn. But then at the same time, try and unify a party that has since... I mean, most of us are in our late 20s, early 30s. There's always, for our lifetime, certainly been pro-EU, pro or certainly under the Tony Blair years, but before that, it genuinely wasn't. And then at the same time, try and look like someone who would have a, a, an, um, a, a sort of second option. And I don't know what that second option looks like. So what does he say?
0: You know, there isn't really a second option he can offer. So, so this, this is, this is, and this is a valid, a very valid point that you made there. Right, I get what you're saying, Josh. But the reality is, the So the reality of this is, is. Nobody is coming out with the reality. So my, my 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 reason for I get what you're saying about the remainers should have got on board. The reason I think that was so difficult for them to do, Claudius, is because this was so we, we didn't put the referendum together properly. If you do something like this in the States, right, if you do it in most most even organizations will set a bar by which you have to have a winner margin, right? Now we didn't do that, which was stupid, which meant you had such a small margin. So when everybody's saying it's the vote of the people, we have to consider that there are forty eight percent, which is a huge amount, right? So if you you said that this was seventy thirty then the thirty just have to sit down and shut up but you also wouldn't have this problem because you would have seventy percent of the backing anyway so that was a, a screw up from the get go there's also the fact that basically the leave campaign pushed for this on lies on on just barefaced lies not even not even kind of kind of trying to create a gray coward around the stuff barefaced lies to the point where Nigel farage when well hold on woke up in the morning after we got the brexit vote in and went well hold on i didn't i didn't actually expect this i don't, I don't know what to do now i'm, I'm going to leave <laughs> Like, I mean, that, that's ridiculous in the self, right? The fact he has the audacity to still sit in forums such as the EU forums and talk about this we, as if he's got any authority. You are part, part of the reason and a very strong part of the reason that we are in this mess right now. And you didn't even have the conviction to follow up with what you pushed and you pu- what you peddled were all lies right. So I think that's why there is a challenge to get the Remainers to actually say, well, we buy into this because they feel to a degree slightly betrayed um and then there is the stuff that's come out over the last few weeks where basically they've said and don't get me wrong it's small amounts that they're talking about right but they're talking about the overspending of the the leave campaign which basically says well we're going to find them we're going to admit the fact that they did something wrong but we're not actually going to take any view of how that reflects the result now i'm not saying overspending by 60k here and 70k in another pocket of 150k really sways that well actually that said I wouldn't say this. I don't buy into this collusion thing in the US, right? But they're talking about bigger numbers here. We're talking about a tiny subset. So I think that's why the remainers are unhappy with this. I think on the labour front, the, the reality is, is there is there is no better deal for this, right? The EU they are largely capitalistic, right? I, I agree with you completely there. And the bottom line is, you want to, it, it, it for, 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 whether you like it or not. Once you sign into there, it's like a prison. It's fucking hard to get out of, right? And they need to make it hard to get out of because you have to look at the unrest of the other countries still in the EU who are potentially trying to to get out, right? So they need to make it difficult for anybody to get out. So everybody else thinks twice. So the reality of this is, is. That when we were putting through this vote, I mean, it was the arrogance of the Tory party anyway to just assume that everybody was going to vote to remain. So they didn't really peddle the reasons for it. But the reality of this is, is the day we decided we were going to Brexit, there is no ideal way to do this. There is no way to get out of this without taking a period of who knows how many years. I mean, they're saying, to be honest, that it could take up to 10 years just to agree the finer details of, of the deal once we get out of this. 10 years. Right. So there was there was no way to get out of this without having an immediate hit on the economy that could go on for 10 years, 15 years before you get to this utopia that the Brexiteers seem to think that they're going to get. And and this is also part of the reason why people are saying, well, hold on. The younger generation were partly Remainers. They're going to have to deal with the outcome of this, right? So I, I think that's what causes the unrest between the Remainers there. But the reality is nobody's coming out of this and saying... Labour can say, oh, yeah, we get a better deal. Jeremy Corbyn is going to get a worse deal, right? Because he actually... if I, I, I'm not a Theresa May fan. I'm not a Jeremy Corbyn fan, right? But if I can say anything, Theresa May, as I've said before a couple of weeks ago, has showed that she has a high level of resolve. Now, I wish she was displaying that in a different scenario, but <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn doesn't even have that. In for me, I was, and I remember when they had the vote in, and I was a bit of a, I almost was drinking the Kool-Aid, right? But I remember at the time, what I said is, he took, a, whether he done a delivery or not, he took a leaf out of... Um, Donald Trump's club Trump. and Trump. really treated it like a sales campaign and said yeah. well where can I go and get people I can go and get the young people let me go and sit down with Reimars try and connect with them in that way right so he, he doesn't actually for me he can get people on board but he doesn't have for me the authority to, to run a country so he they can't get a better deal all they should be turning around and saying is guys and nobody's saying this the reality of this is, guys, and maybe Theresa May is implicitly saying that by saying this is the only deal we can get is, guys, there's no good way for us to leave. That's the reality. There is no good way for us to exit the EU without taking a hit to our economy for a longer term. Now, if she fell back and the Brexiteers said, actually, we don't want to have unrest on the streets, as they're trying to suggest would happen and go with the Norway deal, that is a silver lining. And to be honest, I don't care whether we are considered by name in the EU, again, if it works for the best of the economy. So if we ended up exiting the EU, but staying in it from an economic point of view, I'd be like, well, actually we've come out of a bit of a wind here. Now, whether the Brexiteers can then swallow their pride and say, because they're the ones who are causing the problems here, right? The ones who are now, even if the leave means leave campaign, come out and say, yes, we're actually going to change our approach because we, we still want to leave, but we don't want to leave this deal. That just means they're going to float a whole load of bullshit again about this utopian world that we can leave in, which is not realistic. Um, so until somebody comes out with a blunt reality that says, yeah, we do want to be outside of the EU, but it isn't going to be all, um, Clouds and, and sunshine and roses, right? Mm. Then if we do a second referendum and they take that approach, it's going to be the same thing again. They're going to sell a wonderful world which doesn't exist.
1: Okay, guys. Um, I'm going to put a line under the Brexit. We've got to move on. And we've got to
2: cover. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's going to be with you guys for some time. So, yeah, there'll be other <laughs> opportunities.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's going to keep us running. <laughs> yeah. All right. Staying stay in Europe and looking at what's happening in France. The last week we talked about France and uh, we talked about uh, Macron's um, fuel tax and the protests that were going on. Um, this week it's, it continues, to, it continues to, to get violent and it looks like the French government has backed down and uh, postponed the, um, fuel, um, the fuel rates increase for another six months. Uh, France is interesting and it's also got something to do with Donald Trump because Donald Trump idiotically, idiotically
0: Um, Uh, I don't yeah go on go on say because I don't know actually
1: he he thought that the French um, protests were in protest to the Paris Agreement thing is, right? You know, I think it's stupid, but I can see where he's got, where he's got, where he's got. So, right. trailer I'm, thought makes
2: sense. I think.
0: So I'm not, I'm not a yeah. Trump apologist, yeah. right? But commentators, as they put, the news article said commentators were quick to do. You look at it, they're not commentators; they're just famous it's people tough, on Twitter. It's like, but it's tough, the bottom line is, it's tough, <laughs> yeah, but it's tough, yeah, but what he said here. I don't think it's a million, I don't, if it was not anybody but Donald Trump who said this, I don't think they would go out of those. Because the way I'm looking at it is he didn't actually say they're, they're actually campaigning against the Paris Agreement. What he said is time to give up on this Paris Agreement, right? Now, you can't argue the fact that the policy that is being pushed by um, Macron is in line with the requirements with the of the opinion. Paris Agreement. The facts. So when yeah. somebody said this is idiotic what he said, I'm like, well, hold on, actually. When you read the context of his tweet, he didn't directly say their campaign against the Paris Agreement. He said the Paris Agreement is a cause. And actually, he, he's actually right. Whether he's, whether he's deliberately right or accidentally right, he is right in what he said there. Um, so I just thought when they came out and said, when the news that, that thing said, yeah, his most idiotic tweet, I was like, well, hold on, guys. You're, you're choosing to try and take the context by which it could be idiotic. Like I said, whether he's deliberately right or not, is is another thing um but the tweet in the itself you can't argue that this tax has been brought in because of or in part due to the the paris agreement so i didn't think that was as idiotic as um the social commentators shall we call them made it out to be on twitter this is you know what but, I find interesting. Yeah, Karen, I so what do you know? What I find interesting about the, this French process,
1: when it regards to fuel, is that for the French government, the the French government, the French state itself is so it's so fragile. So we know we so like two hundred years ago, you had the French uh, independence, and then they had so many so many um, different iterations of their republic, and it kept on going on. until they, fa- they finally fell on this one, and it's it's so funny that you have a centrist government, a centrist uh, candidate like Macron that comes in and supposed to in the whole country, and then in less than uh, what he's been here for. Like a year, a year. It's been a nearly as long as Trump, and in less than a year, he his policies that he that he bringing to bring modernize France is is made him have one of the lowest um, one of the lowest popularity uh, ratings um in a, of, of a French president in his in his first or second year. So I it, I just find France politics really interesting because in the UK you'd have a friend you uh, you'd have a protest you have a protest one week it goes away and people forget about it like Ben always says like protests and they're not very useful, they don't do much. Don't, <laughs> people protest today and then tomorrow it's forgotten about. But in France, a protest is actually quite, quite a serious thing. Once it happens, people then, it grows support and then it starts threatening, people uh, starts threatening the idea of what the French government or the French state is. Because in France, in Britain, I don't think we have this idea of what Britain is. I think French, in France, they have this this, this um, utopian idea of what, what, it, what it means to be French or what it means to be, uh, means to be part of France. So I always find that the um, I, would, I would find the, how protests in France, um, how protests in France happen com- compared to how it happened in the UK or America quite interesting. Yeah. you guys go on.
2: I think the, I think the, I uh, sort of agree with you both actually. Well, sort
1: of, I agree with you both. Um, what I'd add to
2: that is probably that I think on one hand you have the kind of history of France. Fr- France protests a lot. This isn't new. This level of protest, you could argue, is quite different. But you have to look at what it's coming against you have to look at the people who support the I think Marine Le Pen has even come out on the side of the yellow vest for some people this is not just a kickback at the fuel thing it's a kickback at like what they see as like the continuous establishment of blah 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 something neoliberal blah blah centrist something something which is like a dirty word now to even be a centrist You, you, you have to be these firm kind of tribalistic you're either definitely right wing or definitely left wing and people don't like the idea of someone coming in with centrist ideas on the environmental question i actually agree that the people are misunderstanding essentially maybe intentionally what trump was trying to get at and if someone else had said it they probably would have got it i think that that's what ben has described as essentially what i think trump was saying what i will say is to kind of just finish that off This is something that's going to happen quite a lot. The fact is people don't quite understand. I don't think people are actually on board with the environmental stuff as much as we think. I think it's kind of like racism. And by that, I mean, when you ask people to actually, people don't quite believe it's going to happen. When you ask people what's actually happening to the environment, people will politically say, yeah, of course, climate change is a problem. And that will usually align with whichever party they, they decide. That will determine whether they believe it or they don't. But the actual science of it i don't think a lot of people grasp even the basics of like light rays coming down gam- um infrared rays going up and being trapped in the air i don't think people even get that bit so we're going to be here again because every time you try and bring in something there are going to be people who won't be willing to make the tough decisions and it is going to have to be tough decisions if it's as serious as the scientists are saying this is just the beginning they were going to, I mean, I think over here we're banning diesel cars. What is it? The sale of them from 2040. I think in Paris yeah. they were going to ban just the use of them by 2022 in the city. These things are going to keep happening. And I think people, this is more of a people thing, probably need to deal with the fact that this is actually <laughs> going to happen. And you're going to have to make sacrifices. And they're going to be serious sacrifices. It's not going to be nice little slow, I don't feel the pain sacrifices. It's going to be real actual consequences like yes you're going to be taxed more here yes there are going to be things that are going to be prohibited and it's going to have an actual effect on your life it's not just going to be nice and cuddly and slow and if people grasp that and are prepared for that i think they'll probably come out of this a a lot better if you just keep throwing things there that are making it sound like it's going to be nice you're going to continually get protests and they're going to be worse and worse
0: across europe so so the problem with, and I agree with what you, you've said there, the problem with the stuff in France at the moment. So, so the yellow vest was the route in, right, against the fuel tax. Now, we've already seen that the government have backed down on the fuel tax. But this isn't about that anymore. This is about the, and we've got to remember, when Macron came in, he wasn't, The most, but because of their voting system, there you don't have to be uh, have a wide consensus of popularity. So he was never starting from the highest bar anyway. Now the problem that most of these um, protesters have against him is they see him as the rich person's president which mm. means now they've got the doorway in now they've got almost which, which almost becomes sounds ridiculous but four weeks in now what a weekly ritual to tear down paris um then I, it almost feels to me like they don't actually need a reason you go and get a mo- you go and speak to most of these right and even the protesters from a yellow vest perspective are basically coming out and saying this isn't actually us this is a bunch of violent protesters who are now Hijacking this, which I think it completely is. I mean, you've got water cannons in your street, you've got rubber bullets coming out. Arguably, it sounds like this. But I mean, what, 90,000 officers were deployed um, this weekend to deal with that. Right. Uh, So I think it sounds like the police have got better control of it this week, almost because they've become like practiced in it. But this isn't going to stop. Because of the the fuel tests, I don't. I think this is similar to like Brexit for us, right? It's a call, it's a chance for the the unheard masses to be heard. Again, we can look into all the reasons we want for Brexit, but I think the reality is, is some of us know that some people were making a vote because they don't feel like their concerns are being addressed, and they wanted a way to they wanted a channel to do that. So I think a lot of the Yellow Vest people have done this with regards to. So actually, my point about protests is is almost being painted out between the UK and France, right? Because when I said before, protests only work to a degree, and I don't agree with this that that we get to this point, but the reality is, is protests only begin to work when they're violent. So if the if the Yellow Vest had come in over two weeks in Paris and held some kumbaya vigils, right, then the government wouldn't have reverted on what they were doing around the fuel taxes. The fact that they've got violent meant that they need to take action. Now, that's the danger of this, right, is that when these continually happen, people then turn to violence. You could argue to a degree, this is why people in the UK are like, well, hold on, if we hold a second referendum, is this gonna happen for us? We don't tend to act in the same way french as a cultural people tend to be more emotional than we do um from an english so that's just a cultural thing right um and they have a history of uh protests anyway but it is the reality that violent protests are the only thing to get changed now the problem with this is is when they're now saying actually our protests are based on macron is the rich man's president what are they looking for to appease them? What is going to stop them from going? What what needs to be done this week for them to not come out next week? Or is it just going to be that we need to go through this for another couple of weeks, hopefully, and just get through to Christmas? You'd expect they wouldn't do it through there. If the police get better control of this next week and ne- further neutralise the impact of it, maybe that's when they give up. But it feels to me like because of what it's moved from, are not just the yellow vest to an overall complaint against Macron. There's nothing that he can do to appease that. Um, he's supposed to be coming out to talk, to make a speech this week. Uh, people are arguing, and I argue as well, what the hell has taken him so long to do that? I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think there's anything he's going to say in that which is going to make these people go, oh yeah, I'm completely happy now. So I wouldn't be surprised if again next weekend, maybe to a lesser degree, maybe to a more controlled degree, um, if the police force still Still managed to maintain the presence that they had this weekend but i wouldn't be surprised if we see this again next weekend
1: all right moving on um moving on to like more to like domestic news so we had this um for uh, with the um the police um officer being maybe may charged for knocking off um knocking off a guy on a scooter because the guy was robbing a scooter and I think we had like I think the, the previous week we had like Dan Abbott coming across. There. I don't think
0: he was robbing yeah. the school, was he? I think he was just a moped. Uh, I'm um, saying robbing the school. He
1: he, uh, he had a teenager on a moped, and the police officer used tactical um, used a t- tactical, um, t- tactical um, manoeuvre which knocked him off knocked him off the bike.
0: Ran him, you mean?
1: I I normally um I I normally would be. Cautious, but I think police. I I, I actually even agree agreement that police should be doing this. <laughs> um, it's really. It's. I think what, what if we hamstring we hamstring our police officers so much that when it comes to these little these crimes, yeah, we're we're more, we're more saying do it. Let them get. Um, we, we can't. They're yeah, the, the 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 guy that committed the crime. They've got more rights than the person they've committed a the crime against because the police can't do anything to just, like. It's it's very hard to uh, if a mother wants to get away from a car, it's very easy. A mother can go through side alleys, um, can go through uh, spots that cars can't go, can't get through. So it's hard for these police officers to get get them off. If you see police officers knock, knocking off um or knocking off children, knocking um people on scooters, it sends a message that if you try this shit, you're gonna get hurt. And it and it's and it says you're right. I. I I I generally have no sympathy for anyone who's committed a crime, who jumps on a scooter and gets run by the police. I think you deserve it.
2: Sympathy (laughs) and practicality um, are different here, though, surely. So I don't have any sympathy for the people who are robbing scooters. I have none. I mean, I've been been mugged. I remember I was walking out of an audition, someone drove road past took snatched the phone out of my hand eventually the police did actually catch him a couple of days later because it was it's a business they do it consistently and my phone was one of the ones that had been stolen i got it returned um, i don't think they rammed the person off but this is a few years ago of course but whether it's a practical solution i think is different like will it actually work will it actually deter people from doing it i don't know will we if, if one innocent bystander gets hurt by this is it worth it what i will say is I'm not with the people who say that you shouldn't do it purely because the thieves or whatever uh, need to be protected or they can't be rammed. Because for me, the law always es- should always escalate up. It should It shouldn't compromise. So if we can't actually catch you, you have to keep ramping it up until we're able to stop you from doing the thing. It can't be that we say, okay, well, we can't catch you without having to ram you, so we're not going to do it. No, we're going to ram you because that's now the only le- way left to actually catch you. But whether it's practical and actually works, I, I'm, I'm
0: not convinced. I'm, I'm, well, I'm not there yet. Well, here it obviously doesn't. So this is, the, this is the problem, right? It's counterintuitive. So the Met Police came out with their new ramming tactics. So this isn't just that the, 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 the officer in question did this off spur of the moment, they introduced a new ramming tactic specifically to target moped um, robbers, right? And then in the first instance that's been used, they're saying now they're going to have to check if the um, officer in question... Is, well, basically, can be done for actual bodily harm or grievous bodily harm. Now, OK, I, I understand they're saying that they need to carry out a review of all these that take place. But it almost seems, uh, again, I've got no sympathy for the, the person involved in this. But from a practicality perspective, it seems like this will become difficult to even employ as a tactic, right? If you're saying, yeah, yep, yeah, we've got a new tactic. First person that does it, oh, actually, we might be doing you for ABH or GBA. <sighs> OK, well, then the next officer who, officer who sees this is not going to use your newly introduced tactic. So from a practicality perspective of it actually working, yes, if you knock a person off a moped, then they're going to be they're going to be KO'd, right? You're going to be able to arrest them. However, if you're then going to say every time that that happened and quite publicly as well, um, because it's a different thing again. And and this is where sometimes the media doesn't help when they do these things. Right. If behind the scenes they said, actually, we're going to carry out a review of this particular instance. And then they go back to the officer and they say, actually, so we need to determine that we've determined that this was lawful in the way that you went about it, all good. But now it coming out publicly, fucks everything up, right? Because now all, any police who are going to employ this are just going to say that we're not going forward. And this is what always pisses me off about the media. It's the same thing on how they report on terrorism and everything else. They glamorise it. Oh, look, there's a bomb that was attempted to go off and then they share all the details. So the next wannabe person to do it has all of the information. It's, it's irresponsible reporting here for me um, when they could have just... I don't have a problem. With, if they were going to employ this, I would expect, just I would expect because I wouldn't like to be un, unlawfully targeted with this, actually doing nothing wrong, right? So I would expect there to be some internal review system when this tactic is employed. But it's no good because for all we know actually they're doing a, a review of this and they're 70% certain they're not going to reach a charge of ABH or GBH, right? But if you're going to come out and this is going to then go publicly, then any police officer who's going to think see somebody on a moped is probably going to say, well, actually, this is not... Is, is this worth my time? Or should I just let them get away with it? And arguably, if it was me, I'd probably go, well, actually, it's in my best interest to just let them go away. I don't want to lose my career for one person on a moped. Mm-hmm. That's where the practicality of this comes into um, challenge. All
1: right, moving on. Um, the story came out... Uh, so. Initially, the government was planning to um, the government was planning to uh, introduce universal tax credits into the borough of Kensington, which where the, where the Grenfell Tower um, incident happened, and it was supposed to happen in July two thousand seventeen. They postponed it, and now it's come. To, it's, it's due to come in on the first of January two thousand eighteen. Um, Emma Emma Cold, um, who is the MP for Grenfell, has come out and said that the universal tax credit will leave her constituents without money over Christmas and so people people don't but don't know don't know what the universal fact credit is the universal tax credit isn't um, the universal credit when we talk about ai it's more in regards to how the government um the government tries to simplify the, the benefit system by putting, making all the benefit payments into one payment and usually the benefit payments takes usually takes about 5 weeks to come into, come into force and um it looks like if it does come into force on the 1st of, um, of January it could leave some people over Christmas without money because it takes about five weeks to come in coming board. So some people that would normally be due their benefits over in December probably
0: won't get them until mid-January. So I just so my so my thing on this is I don't understand apart from being in the area where you've got the Grenfell Tower where they had challenges with funding from. Um, and compensation last year at Christmas. I don't understand why you would bring this in anywhere at Christmas. It's not necessary for you. Not, it, there's no reason why you wouldn't just delay this until bringing it in in February. It, it just doesn't for me make sense why you would bring this in anywhere. Because they've said, yeah, actually, you can get yourself prioritized on this one. Well, not everybody is one. Not everybody will know that. Two. Not everybody's going to do it. Three. If they do, they seem to be riddled with administration challenges on this, which means even if there is a process, it doesn't suggest it will work it makes no sense to me to bring this in, because let's be clear, people who are on credit of some form are not your high net worth individuals, right? So they obviously are considering their money at this time of the year it makes no sense to me to be implemented anywhere it just seems again government using a lack of common sense but this shouldn't need to be argued it should be very simple somebody looks at it and goes actually we've had some challenges with this before maybe we shouldn't put it in place at the time of year when people are highly dependent on cash flow coming in so outside of this even being for Kensington where Grenfell which obviously makes it even more imperative it doesn't make sense to me that you would implement this anywhere at that time of year It's, it's ridiculous Frankly, I don't it's a.
2: Know. I, it, uh, okay, so I used I say long, quite some time ago. I was on benefits. I was on GSA. The way it would work is you get it every two weeks. It wasn't a lot of money. I was on. I think I was on it for like two weeks. So I'm not going to claim that I was someone who was desperately in need of it. But you know, I thought I would be for that time. This apparently, what it does is it simplifies it, I think everyone knows by now, by roping them all into one. So rather than you go get your JSA from this place, and you go get your housing from another place, it just all comes into one. Whatever. And it does take longer generally. I think it's one payment a month as opposed to every two weeks like it is your JSA. That's a problem. Here's where I jump off the train, though. It's not that I have no sympathy. It's going to almost sound like I don't. But you can get an advance I think what's her name? Co Co Dent, the the MP. She's come out and she's come out and she's already countered that point by saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, but the the, the advance is just going to have them worrying about paying it in the new year or throughout the year." I don't I don't personally see how that works. I think if you can get an advance on it, I'd say just do that. For me, just personally for me, and the fact that they're putting the Greenfield thing and all of this again, I do feel that this is. And she has previous unfortunately, in my opinion, is just essentially using something that might have some sort of legs, i.e. this specific issue with when you pull it out, and when you roll it out. But it's more just a a political jab. I don't think that this is, I don't personally think that what's going to happen is a bunch of people who could just get an advance on this anyway, because you could still ask for it now and get it now. You just you'd have to, it gets paid out throughout the year back are going to suffer as a result of this. I don't think so. And what I mean by previous is this is the woman who, of course, was very critical of the government in terms of how Grenfell was handed and the, and the council, the TMO of Kensington, whatever. Although she actually sat on the council at the time it turned out in 2012 and was actually quite enthusiastic about the refurbishments that led to this. She's also the same person who called, Was well, it, Sean Bailey, um, the token ghetto boy. I feel like for her, it's always a political kind of maneuver and I feel like this is just another one. That's not to say that I don't see why people would be concerned, but you can just get in advance. You can you can still get the money. To my, unless I have read this wrong, you can actually still just get it. It's not, it's it, it's just that you pay it out. Like when I was on JSA, they tell you there, and that's how that worked, that you could have like, they call it, I think, emergency. So you get it like right away. And then they take it out of your future. If you are still on it, they take it out of your future JSAs and deduct it down at a certain, a certain rate. I agree with you. I will say that I agree with Ben. I don't get why you need to do it over Christmas. I think you could have just... <laughs> you could have
0: logically just sat there and says, oh, yeah, maybe just not at Christmas. Let's just bring it out next. Oh, no. February and and I agree with you there right because she does seem I mean she put it off in July fine once and then says basically we want it indefinitely so I do think there is she's playing the political front on this I just and again that's why I kind of said take Grenfell out of it I just don't think it needs to be done at this time of year but I do get the impression from her that right well if it's not now and they delayed it in her particular instance if it got delayed to February, in February she's gonna find another reason. In February, she'll probably say, in, in, in February well, she's probably gonna say in February we're gonna Brexit, we're gonna exit the EU on the thirty first of March. We need to do it in twenty twenty. So I, I I agree with you there that she's using the political front. I just think, yeah, as, as I mentioned, it just just seems poor planning tactics for me. Just there's no reason we, you wouldn't just say, Well, guys, we'll put this off to the first of no. Feb. Yeah,
1: uh, before we move on to tech news, I, I think we know I think I'm, I missed off the um, Donald Trump's disastrous week. So it's after it's Friday. So um, I think in the US, um, his his ex lawyer Cohen's been going through. Uh, <laughs> he's had a really bad week, and oh, so Mark Cohen, his former lawyer and former campaign man, campaign chairman um, and former Manafort, they've had a really bad week in, in in America. Robert and in in combination with Robert Mueller's investigation, it, it seems like um, Trump's had a really bad week this week.
0: Uh, i actually then, don't well, think he has i i just don't i just don't see it here so again this is everybody wants to hate donald trump and i'm not a trump apologist i'm not a trump fan right so i just want to be clear on that do you know, do you know you we, we come across that way because every yeah, time but you, need, that, that... You, you need you <laughs> need to deal with the facts here right so everybody's saying so he's stupidity on this is or everybody's pointing out his stupidity is him saying yeah the report that's come out clears me. And everybody's pointing out you do know individual one is you, right? That's what everybody's pointing out to me. But outside of this, and don't be wrong, and somebody, it was interesting because I can't remember, there was a, a US... Program news program, and it was funny because whatever podcast I was listening to, where they were talking about it, they were like, "Does this guy actually want to get fired?" Because he was making the point, which is a valid point, right? So all of the all of the information they've got on Trump's dealings with Russia, we have to remember this is a person who ran a public company; he's not a career politician, right? So, and you can do business with whoever you want. Now, you can look at his business dealings, and you can speak to, you can look all through the part the past career of Donald Trump, right? And no one will tell you that he was honest. In his business dealings, right? Nobody really liked dealing with him. He was very dishonest in all of his dealings that he'd done, right? But so even in everything that they brought out here, there's a lot of kind of dirty um, ways of working at play with some of the stuff that he's doing with Russia. But but there's nothing in here that actually equates to a clu- uh, collusion. There's something in here that says, "Oh, actually, well, Donald Trump's just a dodgy businessman." Yeah, fine, not disagreeing with that whatsoever. But that that doesn't fact That doesn't change the fact that there was no collusion to sway the actual vote for the US presidency, which is what you're trying, which is what they're all trying to gun down on, right, to get him indicted. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not seeing anything come out of any of these. I mean, again, what they, they one of the things they put in here um, about the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, right, who had sex with him. who cares? like again it's not nice it's dirty like it's not it's not the signs of an honest individual but it's not against the law and and so this is why I'm like when everybody's coming out and saying oh yeah I'd hate to be that guy well yeah because you're not going to think well of that guy but nobody thinks well of him anyway it's just it feels to me like just continually grasping at straws here and and also what I didn't like on this front as well, and this is just part and parcel of the legal system, right, is how Muller has come out and said because of Cohen putting forward his information for this and coming out on his own um, back on not being convinced. Of the oh, oh yeah, of course he's not convinced. He's in prison and he's trying to get a better term. And shock horror, Mueller comes out and says, oh yeah, that should be factored into a reduced term for him. I'm like, it just stinks. You, you're publicly putting on display that people can break the law and then deal make to get out. And as far as I'm concerned, if you broke the law, you broke the law. If you give information that is true information, that arguably you should have said six months ago anyway, that's not a reason for me to give you a rebate, so to speak, on your um, the the time served that you've got. I just it, it, the whole thing stinks. First off, but it's not illegal, as far as I'm concerned. This is why I think it's just the Twitter social commentators coming out and taking their oh yeah, let's 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 impeach Trump, impeach Trump. I'm like again, I don't care for Trump. they are better, well, arguably the Democrats are struggling for a, a better presidential candidate, but that's by the by. But if you want to get him out, then, to be honest, guys, start focusing on getting him out in the next election, which the Democrats are not, because, frankly, this war on collusion has gone two years now and isn't, isn't really bearing any fruits here.
2: Oh, man, this is more, it's moments like this. Let's see, uh,
0: where I like the podcast
2: even more. I'm so with Ben on this, it's not even funny. <laughs> Dude, I don't like Donald Trump. I I, I don't think most people, I don't, I don't, I guess because I'm not American, it doesn't feel the same. I don't, but I do recognize that a lot of the stuff, it's not just this, it's any, the guy could sneeze and we, we, we have to pretend that it's like linked to something else. And so the facts, the facts that are there are already bad enough. But then we're going to ignore that and go with some other bullshit. I, I'm kind of, and it doesn't convince any of Trump supporters. You're only talking to people who are already on the train that they hate Trump. And
0: this and they're is not, he exactly. They're spot not on. Win.
2: <laughs> You're not going to win anything. Like a few weeks ago, just to, because I'm not going to stay this, I'll, I'll, I'll see to Josh in a second. A few weeks ago, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I know he's been in news for other reasons, was on Bill Maher. And I had to laugh and I had to agree. He's a great guy. and He said something quite simple. They were talking about, and you, you get the gist that what it was, was, it was Bill Maher at the end where has the panel and they all talk. And it was supposed to be this moment where, let's be honest, they all take the piss out of Trump. And they said, oh, uh, the president's talking about a space force. Bah. And they all started laughing. And he was like, well, why is that funny? And then they were like, no, because, you know, Space Force. And he was like, yeah, yeah, but why is that funny? Is this just because Trump said it? Look, back in the day, the military, the Air Force was all under the Army. And then someone proposed, you know what? This is actually a special skill. So you need it to be an Air Force. It can't just be the same as just the Army. This is just another extension of that. You can't just keep having, because at the moment, astronauts, I think, and all of that kind of just comes under some sort of Air Force. You can't just have that. You need a special thing for that we'll just call it Space Force, just following the same thing. And then they kind of shut up. And I kind of feel like this happens a lot with Trump, where it's like, well, he said it. So I'm going to blow it up, and I'm going to try and find this little nugget that links him to Russia somehow, instead of just saying, you know what? There's an election in, like... Let's just be honest. There's an election next year, because they'll start next year. Uh, And we really need to get our shit together. And we have no one. Like, literally no one. We're talking about bringing Gore back. I saw Clinton to talk about coming back. There's no one. Kerry, I've heard, come up again. There's no one. But we're here trying to find these little nuggets of stuff that no one cares about and isn't convincing anyone who voted who voted for Trump. It has to be better than this.
0: I think also... And I still think, roll forward 12 months, Hillary's going to be on the campaign run again. I'm sorry, I'm just sticking with that. 100%. I think she
1: is, 100%. I think the problem that also America has is that they can, they, they focus, focus so much on... Um... And Russia but they don't actually look at their their actual election process Trump didn't Trump didn't win the popular vote nope. and, and it was it was a collegiate um the, the way they they do the collegiate program uh, is it collegiate um they did the vote, college the college program yeah that sounds right The college program if you looked at that and tried to reform that and said okay that's the issue that's where we're, that's where we're going wrong this is outdated the reason why we had this is because of the the, the, the old school that would, it can, Let me,
2: can I jump in real quick there yeah. be careful though because I think Obama lost one of the um, popular votes still but he got in I'm pretty sure against them I need to look into this but I'm pretty sure he didn't win both like no, he I, won one on popular and electoral one just the electoral college
1: I think he won so, one I think he won the, uh, car- um, the second one with the electoral college but he was so far ahead on electoral college votes he was so far. but
0: but but by the More by, what, what, what difference does it make? Because Hillary Clinton was a shit candidate. This is the bottom line. She, she <laughs> lost. She lost. Right? He didn't. It's almost like he didn't win. She lost. And let's move away from a world. Yeah, Donald Trump is in, but let's move away from the world where Hillary Clinton would have been a superb ideal. Um, presidents have. Yes, it would have fitted the narrative. You would have been able to have a female president, right? Great for the times that we're in. But let's not beat around the bush. She's not an ideal candidate. She's almost becoming like a serial loser um, in the so yet yeah, yeah. she, yeah, she will lose again. If, if she goes against Donald Trump, Donald Trump will beat her down again, and the US <laughs> will only have itself to blame.
1: <laughs> the thing is, my, my thing is, right, this is, yeah. I, I agree with you, Ben. I, do, I totally agree with you. But when you keep focusing, when you keep focusing on the wrong things, then you keep going down the wrong path, and so you keep focusing, and then you have the same thing. What Trump's been doing for the last two to three years—it's campaigning. He's constantly campaigning. He's constantly going back to his base. He's constantly um, going to his base, uh, having his comp- campaign trails. Obama didn't do this. Obama was, was trying to push things through uh, for a stalemate of the House and the Senate. While Trump says, "F them. I don't give a fuck about them. I care about my base. I'm going to go to my base and talk to my base." And he's been doing that for the past two years. He'll do it for next year, and he'll continue to do it, continually do it while, the, while the Democrats are, are divided where you have the Social Democrats coming through, and you have the old-school Democrats fighting them. Same thing you have in the, in the Labour Party in, in the UK with Corbyn and, and uh, um, the, the Blairites. And they won't come out with a candidate. And and before you know it, you have a two-term um, Trump presidency. He won't he won't be indicted, because, it's, like Ben says, most of the stuff that, he's, that they're accusing him of, they're not illegal. It's just... It's just dodgy, and being dodgy doesn't mean it's it's bad. It's bad, but it doesn't mean it's, it's illegal. So you can't indict him for that. Therefore, <laughs> instead of focusing on trying to beat him on policy and beat him on campaigning against him and finding the candidate that will that will take him on in in twenty twenty, they're focusing on oh, Russia, Russia, hoping that this this um, will get lucky and and find something to indict him with. Bill Clinton was impeached. Nothing happened. He still staying. Is pre- st- still president. You can impeach Trump, and Trump can still be president. So this thing of this thing of ignoring ignoring the actual facts that you haven't got a candidate. You can't. You're not. You you guys um, brought up a, a shit candidate last time. You you, you can't unite your party behind uh, any sort of um, in the united policy. You are in disarray for 2020, and 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 the the, the victories that you're supposed to get in the last in the midterm election. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's, it's, it's just it's for me just saying that he'll get a second term a yeah i
2: out. i genuinely was I'm, I'm one of these arrogant people when there's an election win where i genuinely buy into the source so i remember when obama won i was young i was like yeah man this is it the democrats are going to be in for the good generation because look at the republicans obviously at that point i just didn't see it happening and with yeah. trump my point was after the election, i was like well they'll probably just do a term and then they'll be gone but I gotta be honest. I see two terms now, and it's because I, I can't believe, I can't believe how bad the Democrats have been at formulating one a plan. And I guess they don't have an opposition the way we do here, so you don't get to know someone like that. But just even someone who looks viable. And then two, focusing on the reasons why people voted Trump and attacking those because they keep bringing up stuff, even the grab and by the pussy thing, whatever you want to do, and say that that's just if they've already voted for the guy they're not going to change their mind now because you say it more they're not going to change their mind now because they're well he's, he's building a wall he's divided they're not going to change their mind they voted for him on that already yeah so just look at the so <laughs> do you know what it is sorry this is what it is it's going to sound crazy you can't win you can't win elections or referendums, for that matter, on fear. And I know that the narrative is, oh, but Trump won it on fear. He actually didn't win it on fear. He won it on hope. And that sounds crazy, but to the people he was speaking to, he was saying, I'm going to make America great again. If 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 his speech was, I'm going to save America, it wouldn't have gone down the same. It was, I'm going to make America great again. If the Democrats' entire line is going to be... It's just going to get worse under Trump. They're not going to win. They have to offer something that's hopeful, aspirational to grab onto, or else it's not going to work.
0: And and I'm going to say something that obviously the general probably don't want to hear, right? But apart from you, you win it on, you don't say the problems. You win it on giving and, and hope. Yeah, you do. But I'm just going to be honest with this. You win it on bullshit so oh, yeah, it is this and the referendum are just big advertising campaigns right and that's why Donald Trump won because he said well actually if if I've got an advert if I've got, if I've got a product and I'm going on Facebook I have to pick a demographic who are going to buy my product so he went if I'm going to try and get in I need a demographic large enough to vote for me this is what I'm going to spout to them right now arguably he was closer to the line of truth than we were with Brexit but it's still the same thing and but it was the same thing over there Hillary just went with, she had no and this is Why she she lost, right? And the rest of the Democrats, and the fear that the Democrats should have is if if the next person they have comes in and repeats what Hillary done and says, Vote for me because I'm not him, then they're going to lose. Now, if they come in and say, Vote for some form of policies and they pick out a demographic target, then they can win. But the only way they will not win and they can be assured of a loss is Donald Trump is rubbish, vote for me because I'm not him. That is a, a surefire way. For, for defeat. And they almost need to take a leaf out of his book. They need to be on social media. They need to be on Twitter. Yes, ridiculous that we have a, a president who can't kind of control his Twitter diarrhea, but it's almost entertaining for people, right? And so if he's on that platform, you need to compete with him on that platform. And it, 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 it sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous that this is the stage that we've got to, but you need to be both where he is and where he's not. And that's what the Democrats slipped up on last time. They just went, we don't even need to be in the same arena as him because we're so sure that we're going to win. First things first, of course, they need to get a, a candidate, which so far, you'd have to say, what, they're pushing the, the Betelow-Walk point of view. which isn't really going to work for me. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, um, what's her bloody name? Um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. So she, she made... Well, hold on, mate. You say that. She's too young, but... Donald Trump, if you put it into political years, she's as young as Donald Trump no, is. No, Hold on. Saying, oh, no, to run. You, yeah, no to, to run.
2: Yeah, you
1: can't. To run. She's too young to run Illeg- illegally. Um, yeah, you have to have be a certain age. You have to be
2: 40.
1: do you have it's, to it's, be about 40. If you're about, about 40. Yeah, I,
2: mean, I think you can be, uh, that's to even be decided, how am I getting this wrong? I think to be a congressperson, you have to be a certain age. Or is it a senator? No, to be a senator, you have to be a certain age. So she couldn't even do that. Yeah. You can't just be a president at any age. They have, they, have, they,
0: have, they have, an age, a cutoff. I, I, I. Uh, so personally, I, I put nice, nothing nice. off the table in the US. I put <laughs> nothing off the table. In the US. <laughs> That's she's, true. she's, she's a woman. She's, she's a female in this current era. She's young. She's populist. I don't agree with her. I don't think she's very intelligent. She'd be rubbish. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that the the political ball game that is the presidential election. Once Trump got, once Trump got elected, right in the way that he did everything changed everything changed what 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 do you both
2: say to the idea that i'm going to make this a left right thing people who know me know my views on these things they've got kind of nuts i do think the left has kind of dropped the ball on just being honest about certain things let's just take one thing in the past couple of weeks with hillary clinton immigration she comes out and she says the thing about european immigration which is essentially that I think Germany and the problems with immigration, just letting that many people in at that kind of rate wasn't probably a wise thing to do. The sensible thing for, I guess, what Americans call liberal, what we just call the left, would have been to do, would have probably been to be, you know, we do need to have an honest conversation about asylum, about immigration, about legal versus illegal, because that seems to be completely conflated now, where I see American celebs argue against stopping illegal immigration. Like which which I find unbelievable as a, as a position to take because you have legal immigration. Everyone can support that. So what do you say to this? Because she was attacked pretty much. They basically say she's trying to pander to like the alt-right for even no, suggesting but- that immigration is something that you might need to get under control. That's crazy. So you know, it's funny. It's how it's can funny. you That's offer funny. an alternative? Yeah.
1: You know what's funny about that is that under Obama, you had the president that was dep- deporting the most illegal immigrants. H- had had the highest number of deportations for a sitting president, <laughs> and Trump came in and said he wasn't doing enough. That yeah, his nickname, Deporter in Chief. Yeah, and it d- it, d- it doesn't make sense. And um, when the Democrats don't own stuff, they're doing they're doing right. When you're deporting illegal immigrants, you should own it and you should come out and say we're doing this. The problem is, is that because of the left, have this idea that if you it's a, it's a bad thing to stop immigration. When you have a president that's actually doing stuff that the right actually like, they can't, they can't campaign and say that. what our, Hillary didn't campaign and say I can't, continue doing what Obama was doing because what Obama was doing, he was deporting the highest number of illegal immigrants. He was quite the in chief, and um, Trump came in and lied and said wasn't enough, and we're going to build a wall, build a wall. This is the issue with the with we have with the left and in America. You have in the UK is that when they have when when they are doing stuff that pand- that that would that the right would support, they do not. They do not publicise it. They do not say, we, this is what we're doing. They do not own it. They actually try to hide it and do under, do, uh, do behind closed doors. And therefore, you have the issue where the right can come out and lie, like Trump can come out and, blat- like um, Brexit they can come out and lie and tell you um, obvious lies. And the right, the left can't say, yeah, yeah, you're lying because because the left don't want, they're trying to panic to their own base and their base, and the left base is
0: sometimes dead dishonest. Um,
1: but guys, I want to move. I need to yeah, move on. but
0: but just 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 on, on that point again, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be too too touchy on the Democrats at the moment. Apart from their disarray, we can't really make a claim on the position they take until they get a person to, to move forwards with, right? But again, whether it be left, whether it be right, let's just be clear, politics is, is just riddled with lies, right? So when you say they try to do stuff behind the scenes, yeah, but so do the right, so do the centrists, so, so do all governments, that, that for better or worse is the nature of politics. Like be a good liar and, and you're certain for success. I all right. should leave that as my closing matter on it
1: moving on uh, moving on to tech Be decided to deserve the success is a great closing <laughs> <it up. laughs> um, all right moving on to some tech news so this week um, O2 um, their, their 4G network went down I am on O2 so I suffered that I had the day without O2 without so um, 4G good. I suffered a day out of 4G. Um, you know what's funny? That I woke up and um, I woke up about five o'clock and my 4G wasn't working. and my home Wi-Fi had gone off. So I was like, what's going on? Have the, have the, have the, um, has all the, have the internet been knocked out of, uh, across the world? And I was like, I was going to panic.
0: Do you know what's, what's just absolutely shocking about this? Because I work in IT, right? Is this was down to an expired certificate. That... Frankly what? speaking, <laughs> is a shocking oversight that they have got a single certificate. One that can bring down their network in <laughs> such a way. Two, that it took them so long to identify that as the cause from a, a, a purely technology and IT perspective. That it's shocking i mean you impacted 25 million people somebody i, I mean I, I i joked to somebody i said i'm gonna go on job this week and see if there's a job that pops up for a well-known global <laughs> telecommunications company for infrastructure management but that is just i mean i was impacted by it as well i didn't care too much because i was connected with phone wi-fi i was going between two places and i intended to connect to a a Skype meeting that didn't have um, an audio bridge to it, so I just had to miss the meeting in the end. Otherwise, I wasn't that impacted. But it was just, I mean, I mean, Uber drivers would have been completely KO'd. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even think <laughs> of that.
1: Yeah, Uber drivers, Uber drivers, and um, plumbers, plumbers that you would use the, um, the people can't read maps anymore. So that, that, that's what this, this week's proven. So plumbers that were that were sent to jobs, they couldn't find their destination because they didn't have the maps. And they couldn't find where they were going. So they had to cancel jobs. Um, yeah, yeah, it had a massive impact on the economy. And the funny thing is that I think it happened before, um, I think it's happened before O2, but usually it's only for a couple of hours. Um, O2 usually give out vouchers. But this time, they, they, they didn't want to give out vouchers. They, they didn't give out vouchers. What they did, they sent um, text messages to people and said that you'd get um, two credits for your normal... Two four, days credit. Two days credit for your normal 4 G. like, How am I going to know how much... What, what, how
0: much is that? No, it's two days. days. So, so they're going to take two days of, off your airtime bill. So my airtime bill is like £35 a month, so they're going to give me like £3 off, basically. I don't thing. care,
1: but... No, another funny thing is, if you had gone to... Pay for an additional gig of um, of data. It's like eight quid now. So, <laughs> As a joke, um, yeah. It's. I think OT's suffered a massive l this week. Uh, it, it, it kind of highlights how much how, how some people are so dependent on um, 4G and how we are as other people dependent on 4G. And yeah, but uh, yeah, but of course
0: we are because it's there. Like yeah. that, that's like saying when cavemen became dependent on. Fire. round rocks, well, on fire, on anything, on, on, on a wheel, right? Once it's there, you can call it, yeah, I, I get what you were saying, like, oh my God, we're so dependent on technology. But at the same time, if it's there, then you integrate it into your life, right? The reality is, is right, for all the, all the talks that are about this, it's just a day. Yeah, you lost a day, right? But let, let's just put it in perspective. Grand scheme of things, a lot fucking worse things have happened. People, countries go to war. People get shot. We lost our 4G for the day. So, yeah, people are dependent on it to have their normal, optimal running day, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not. It was, I just, I mean, for me, it was just embarrassing for O2, the cause of this and the fact that the cause came out. Um, again, more so working IT than anything else. But it's sometimes, to be fair, sometimes I wish my phone would be disconnected for... Longer term, so I didn't have to speak to people. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it just happened to happen on a work day where I actually do have to speak to people. So,
1: <laughs> all right, moving on from 02, I'm going to go, I'm going to switch to the, um, the, the story in Canada. with um, China China's threatened, to, threatened Canada over the rest of the CFO, Meng Wanzhou, um, who is the CEO of Hawaii and Um, the language that China is setting about
0: is quite, is it dramatic or it's it's, quite I think oh. it's dramatic. I, so what I read from this is there's, there's, I found this interesting right, because this is not look, whatever, I mean I think the reason they're doing this is they're saying that she broke the sanctions with Iran because she created a child company, Skycom which was yeah. supposed to be independent of Huawei um, but is actually part of Huawei. Now I would argue if this was another Chinese company, people wouldn't care. Um, this feels to me like, I mean it's pretty, I mean to be fair, I'm not sure if you read how she was arrested but she literally landed in Canada for or, uh to exchange to change flights to go to right. the u s and they arrested them between the flights cool. um but for me this this just feels like i think trudeau has come out and said this isn't politically motivated well i don't think it's a coincidence that you've found a reason to um, arrest the CFO just weeks after the outpour of different nations, and it's predominantly being driven by the US to say, "Do not use their hardware for running your five G networks because they're basically going to steal your technology." Even yeah. Japan have stopped using their stuff. So th- this. Uh, I mean, in and of itself, it's just a single arrest, but it feels to me like a, a lar- part of the larger campaign against Huawei. China are using, yeah, they are using dramatic language. I mean, they're using language like they suggest, if you don't release it, we're going to nuke you. Like, obviously, yeah. they don't mean that, but they're trying, <laughs> trying to push it with that hard line. Um, yeah. I just thought that this was, this feels to me like a very interesting political slash business manoeuvre to be arresting a CFO of a company who are so much in the limelight at the moment um, because of the pushback on them. I thought this was uh, interesting. I'd be interested to see how this one plays out. Because obviously they denied her bail because they said she's a flight risk, but you obviously would. She's the CFO of a company. She was only there to be passing through anyway. So I get why they denied her bail. Um, I'll be interested to see whether they actually extradite her to the US though. Yeah,
1: it'd be interesting. All right, moving on from that story. I saw Australia, so... This is, this is dodgy so australia passes inscription breaking laws um so this this law was initially brought in uh this in august and they haven't had time to go through the ins and outs of it but they pushed it through the last day of parliament uh, which is it allows um it allows um government to there's the whole point of them pushing through this law is, is against They're saying that um, the the encryption laws and technology prevents them from doing foreign investigation and preventing terrorist attacks. And therefore, the law is designed to compel technology companies such as um, WhatsApp, Facebook and all the other other technology companies to grant them access to, uh, grant police and security agents access to encrypted messages.
0: So this is really dodgy. I'll let somebody else start on this before I give my view on this. (laughs) Claude, have you got any views on this? Not really. Um,
2: I'm always wary of. Do you know I've been called immature for this? So. Go
1: on. Hello. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Really quiet.
2: Yeah. um, I. Yeah. I've, I've been called immature for for having this view well, the government or whoever should never step in and try and regulate or try and have control over tech companies. But it's just my it's my natural belief that I'm always wary. I mean, when there was that thing with the Apple backdoor sort of thing with the FBI, I was wary then because of what Apple wrote. I'm not a tech expert to know enough about it, but I'm just going to say I'm always a bit apprehensive about not- government's push to try and...
1: My, Sorry, my, my, get a
2: hold of our data. I'm trying to word it in the way that doesn't make me sound like a scared child.
1: My my <laughs> my viewpoint my viewpoint on this is this. I can't kind of agree with you. I think whenever government whenever, whenever governments get involved in these other things, they would mess it up. Um, I don't I don't think that they thought this through. It, it, it kind of it's, it's really confusing. Um, tech companies can be compelled and uh, can be compelled, and they won't even know if they've been ordered by the government to do stuff. They just give the information across. Um, they haven't really thought about this in, in a lot, a lot of detail, and um, it could force companies to come, pull out of Australia. If I was tech company, i was to pull out because of like you're, if you if you if you believe that your the people that your service, in, service have a right to privacy, and then the government comes in and says no, you don't, they don't have the right to privacy because they could be X, Y, and Z. Um this just, this leads onto dangerous grounds. I just think to myself, it leads
0: onto the 1984 or Williams viewpoint that the government's always watching, which they are. It's, but it's important. well Well, the thing about this is, I mean, it's very easy to pull out of operating in, in, let's be clear, right, I can have an office hosted, especially in the world of cloud computing, right, I can be working out of um, Australia, but I can be hosting my data in a data center that's in Singapore, Russia, Canada, US, wherever, right, so they can say whatever they want, I could argue, my headquarters is not there. My data is not hosted there. You've got no right to do anything with my data. The reason that this is is dangerous for me is that one, for the reasons that you both put forward there, right, is that there is a degree by which you should have. It it, it puts a mockery to the purpose of end-to-end encryption if somebody can go in. And because that's what their problem is, right? They don't like solutions that are given end-to-end encryption because there's no way for them to get in. And from a tech side, a very good point has been made, which is very valid because they're basically saying, well, actually when somebody needs to get access to your data, we'll be able to decrypt the certain data that they're looking for investigation. You can't, you can't, that's, that's not the way encryption technology works, dude. There's no way, apart from handing over a direct key to decrypt a specific message, which then makes a mockery of the whole system anyway, if you're going to start giving away encryption keys. But if you going got, they, they want to create a technology that would allow them to basically selectively decrypt stuff. Well, the only way you're going to do that is to basically create a vulnerability in the whole encryption technology itself, which can oh. then be exploited by any form of criminal organisation that says, actually, it just it just waits for a hacker to say, well, now we've found a way into your system. We know how to find that you've already created that vulnerability. Now we're going to steal in and take hold of that encrypted information. You're right that they haven't put thought through this. I think, but I think it's wrong that they should be doing it anyway. My, my concern is if one country does it and they think, oh yeah, this works and it proves to be beneficial for one investigation, that then another country does it because some. Some hacker will just sit there and go well hold on their whole encryption technology and network has a clear flaw in it which they've deliberately designed happy days for me i'm going to go in and steal all the encrypted conversations which are going back and forth not least the fact i would never talk over what and and, and what annoys me about this as well is they're saying, they they cite technologies like um whatsapp and say yeah yeah this is how criminals are managing to operate right if you do that people just there's just gonna be more people on the dark web which already exists right so you're not going to stop anything here they'll just stop using these technologies it's it, it's just a pointless thing and the fact that you're squeezing it through on the last day of parliament is just conniving in itself um there's nothing good about australia introducing this to be honest it's probably right. why we need a
2: um sorry on that this is again i'm not a jeremy corbyn fan anyone knows me that 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 would be a laughable idea he did talk about a digital bill of rights. Now, I don't mean probably what he would suggest by that. And people would be apprehensive of a go- government kind of stepping in on this. But it might, might need to be something we re- revisit going forward just because of the way tech and all that works. And the, the, the value of privacy in a tech kind of world. Privacy made complete sense in a world with no sort of tech where it was like someone can't just come into your house. Someone can't just listen to your conversation. That makes sense. But in this world it gets a bit more murky. So I think we might need to just have clear rules like an actual digital bill of rights. Again, not to copy Corbyn's idea, but something similar to that, with I guess tech experts and whoever chipping in so we know where we stand on these things. And we have certain inalienable rights that can never be taken away. Cause it yeah, it's getting a bit dodgy.
0: Well, I just think they need to update the particular policies that exist for the technology. So, your, any privacy policies that we've got should just be updated to reflect the fact that we live in a more advanced technology, technological and digital era. But I do agree; there, there should be, there has to be some realms by which <coughs> we don't abuse people's. Um, to, and, and again for me it just comes down to the fact that we're talking about now breaking into encrypted messages that that's where I've got a real problem with this.
1: But I think that I think the issue here is also is that the the, the lawmakers don't actually understand technology. We've seen it with um, when Congress interview Facebook or Twitter and Jack or um, or Mark Zuckerberg. You've seen when when they ask these questions, the people that are that are formulating the, the the laws in white in Whitehall or or or, or um, the, or the Senate or Congress they they' actually understand technology so when you so when they when they are trying to create these um, when, they, when they are trying to create these loopholes in the encryption they actually they didn't actually understand the, the dangers that, that that might that may um, pose so that's the, that's some of the issues that we're having but I want to move on to the story um, with the former and um, GC HQ boss saying that Facebook could uh, threaten democracy this week Facebook's share price dropped off the cliff and um, I think they lost like eleven billion. um, No, I think they lost like eleven billion off their share price, and then Mark Zuckerberg's personal fortune drops off. From um, he lost like eleven billion also on his um, on his personal share in his personal value. Um, the, The issue is that Facebook's been cited as being quite. So the reason why Facebook has lost their value market value is because they've been excited, have been quite aggressive to um, other companies and companies they want to take over. They're they're, they're quite aggressive to advertise uh, advertising agencies, they're quite aggressive to um, to their to their suppliers, and it's therefore seen a massive drop in share price. But then also um, there's been news that Facebook could threaten democracy, uh, and there needs to be tougher with the regulations on Facebook. This leads into what we were talking about previously with the, with Australia. I think that there is an issue where the people that are that are making our laws do not understand technology, technology that's around nowadays and therefore they can't they can't produce adequate laws to um, to protect people's uh, personal rights or protect even protect democracy because they don't actually understand that some of the things they want they want to produce they, they, could, they could be they could cause bigger issues in the long term.
0: Well this doesn't but I don't I so I, I mean I put this on here for a reason I don't I don't I don't get his point here I don't see how Facebook can um, in and of, I mean, it was like a one-liner of his response here. But for me, Facebook can't challenge democracy. It's, it's, a, it's an easy line to hide behind. Um, the reason that most of the – their main problem comes – so so we joked about him not turning out to be questioned in um, Parliament last week. Well, like, it wasn't Parliament. Whoever wanted to question him in the UK. And they kind of they kind of took it a step further than the US and kind of slam dunked on him by releasing these emails – um, earlier on in the the week, that's what gave them the the drop in their share price. I think because what it basically said. Is, so within this treasure trove of emails is basically the fact that yes, they were they they allowed certain companies to retain user information for an extended amount of time if they had a better partnership with them. So they were it it was kind of just game theory for for business, right? But that's that's the standard way that, that things work. I think it was more the nature by which they communicated within these emails as well so they've again i don't know what they were expecting to see but it's the way that they so bluntly referred to the users of facebook as their their customers to be kind of monetized but if you know what Facebook is, then you know that's how they make all their money. So this isn't a surprise to me. Um, but that coming out, and the fact that it was obviously all of these internal emails is what's hit them. To say that Facebook challenges democracy, well, if challenges dem- if, if Facebook challenges democracy, then so does the internet. Because the internet and Google can be used to target people with campaigns and um, advertising as much as anything else can. So I, I don't agree with that. I feel like he's using that just as a fear tactic line out there. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, it's not its not been a good week for Facebook, mainly because of that document cache of emails being released out. Um, and again, I don't use an Android, so I don't know how diff- how true this is to home, but when they made the changes to um, their privacy settings, which were particularly, apparently, particularly difficult to find on an Android. Again, I don't have an Android, so I don't know if, how close that the truth that is, but well, it seems to be the truth, but I don't know how, just how difficult it was to identify these new privacy changes and and Take hold of them to be fair, even on the iPhone, they sneak them in relatively easy. If you don't go and check them every so often, you'll probably find that if you haven't checked them in six months, then they're probably changed from what you think they were. Yeah,
1: all right, guys. So, Ben, as I ask um, every week, what have you been reading? Claude, I'm not the same question to you. What have you been reading and watching this week? Both of you, Hello.
2: uh,
0: unless you go first, I need to remember. Uh, so I David Goggin, I think I started David Goggin's audio book last week I finished that, I started reading it a second time round, um, I actually started yesterday The Wisdom of Psychopaths which is actually, I'm, I'm finding that very entertaining um, and one of the problems is, is how he wants it's very bizarre right, it's because a lot of the questions that they use in analysis of psychopaths are uh, very much more utilitarian questions so there was one question that he asked it i'll be interested in your guys response to this right so you know the, the old school prisoner's dilemma this is more of an extreme version and he asked a psychopath and to be honest i answered the same as a psychopath i don't i hope that doesn't mean i am one but nonetheless this was a relatively straightforward decision to me um so you've got five people who are critically ill and there are certain blood types or compatibility, and you can't find anybody with their organs. Now, one person comes in, he's almost like a drifter off the, the street. Nobody really knows for years. He happens, when you do a, a checkup of him, to have organs that would, would fit for compatibility for all of these five people. Now, so in this instance, do you kill the person who's, uh, and use his organs, so, so to speak, or do you let the five people die?
1: Yeah, you let the five people die
0: good
2: this is like that um trolley
0: yeah it's experiment. the prison uh, yeah, that's exactly what it's supposed to be well the the, the prison and that... dilemma and the trolley one and they're, they're all basically insane so what what's your picture of it i'll be interested this might be a problem
2: <laughs> oh,
0: i think i th- so let the fight five- no i think i think take the organs. The- See, and I, because the problem is, is, because, so there was when they do these reviews, right, they're basically, the psychopaths basically answered straight away and, other people said, no, it's morally wrong, but they usually – and then there was a degree of time that they took to think over it. Now, before the question was finished, and taking consideration, I listen to my books at three times speed. Before the question was finished, it was very simple to me. From, when, when you're talking about the, the trolley dilemma, people have no problem with the fact that you flip a switch and you'll kill five people instead of one, right? Sorry, yes. kill one person instead of five. They usually have a bit of a debate on pushing the one fat person over the line, but they'll actually tend to do it after some debate of this. The only thing that changes this is that you're calling into firm um, question somebody's morality from a professional capacity. But for me, from a purely utilitarian perspective, this is not, hard. It's not a hard question. Like it's, <laughs> you, you take one person to save the five. Now no, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned if that makes me a psychopath, but that's the way I would look at this. The
1: reason why, the reason why I said kill the final if, if, if he didn't come into this didn't come into the hospital they would have died anyway.
0: So um, I I don't like playing God. But then you've I got rather- a chance to say then you've got a chance to save five lives and the happiness of their families. Like, yeah. like uh, and again it comes uh, down to me. It's so I mean it's interesting. It clearly tells you something about our different lines of thinking, right? Yeah. Like. For me, it's, it's, it's a straightforward one. And again, a lot of it is down to how utilitarian you are. I, I mean, I don't know how my brain and my amygdala flashes up when that answers. Generally, when a psychopath answers these questions, it's darkness. Whereas in people who are not psychopaths, <laughs> depending on what their answer is, then they flash up kind of like a Christmas tree in that area. What would be very concerning to me is if I actually did a check and answered that question the same way I answered it and were completely black there, because then, <laughs> then there might be a problem. But that book is actually really interesting because it also goes into the kind of lower level detail on outside of obviously your, your serial killers, how actually there are people with a degree of um, psychopathy that then it works for them. So, for instance, if you've got a a brain surgeon, then actually somebody who's able to switch off their degree of empathy and feeling when they're cutting into your skull is is actually not the worst thing to have, right? So once you start to dig into the details of it, it's actually quite an interesting topic. Um, And then I read another book uh, yesterday, work-wise, on chaos engineering. So, yeah, I had a bit of a geek out week.
1: Yeah, I saw I my answer. Came comes more from my from a libertarian point of view. It's the my thing is that you don't get involved. That I, I I don't know why I feel that way, but I feel like something's happening. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, so I, if I it mean, makes you feel better. The majority of people would have answered the same way that you answered. So. <laughs> I feel good. All right, so what are you, What are you reading? Well, I haven't because I've been. because
2: I'm about to start a play. Okay, tended to be reading quite. I just finished the play, so I was just doing nothing but learning lines. I'd start another one next month, so i am reading that script. But I guess the last book I read was probably... Well, actually, no, I started, but I haven't finished. The um, the Them, Adventures with Extremists by John Ronson, because I'd previously read So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson, which is... I thought it was a brilliant book I read a couple of months ago, um, which is just sort of about the way in which a public shaming, we just reinvented that just on, online. And the different ways that these things happen. So it's not about calling into question whether people deserve to be criticized for their actions. But actually, is it that we just take an enjoyment in the kind of collective um, anger that we, took, that we put towards someone? He brings up the example of, I can't remember the woman who must've tweeted something ironically, it's quite clear she's trying to be funny. Like I'm- um, She jumped uh, on the plane. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, don't worry, I won't get it, I'm white. It's quite clear that she's trying to be funny to anyone. But people are pissed off, which I get, but then that really did change. It wasn't just that people were pissed off, people were almost gleeful at what was going to happen when she lands and and she realizes her life is over. And I do think there is that streak. I don't think it's a new phenomenon, I know people like to say that. I do just think it's just reinvented itself online. But there is this sort of gleeful
1: streak in anything Cancel culture. That's what they're calling it at the moment, Cancel culture, where they cancel someone. They, they tried to cancel um, Kevin Hart this week with the homophobic tweets.
0: Yeah, I don't, even, I don't think. So did you see did, you see? did you see? Did you see Andrew? Andrew Schultz interesting uh, Instagram post <laughs> on this because he basically said he basically said, "So look, you people want him to change? Is is it not possible to you guys that if this was ten years ago that he did this, that he's changed to be what you want him to be, and now you're actually punishing him for?" changing to be what you want to be because he's no longer doing this and basically what it, the reality of it is is you just want to find glee and happiness in the demise of somebody else who's, who's more famous I mean, so it's a, it's a common thing 100 and
2: 150 i mean this kevin hart thing was you know it really bothered me to watch because what i essentially watched was the reason people were annoyed wasn't because people were annoyed i don't think someone woke up and was like yo 10 years ago or 2011 so quite 10 years he said a joke weirdly by the way it was a joke that i remember thinking i shit you not in the past two years literally thinking about it thinking you know it's kind of crazy that no one's brought up this kevin hart joke because in this kind of climate people are kind of nuts and lo and behold people brought it up i saw i read an article in the guardian where the guy seemed to completely misunderstand the joke i think from him from his perspective the joke is about Kevin Hart wanting to beat the crap out of his child because his child's gay. And I was like, no, the joke is we're supposed to laugh at Kevin Hart's insecurity that he can't even, that even his own child. He's like, no, that's gay. He even stutters when he does it. Like, that's the point. These other tweets, I don't know, but that specific joke. But regardless of that, he apologized. And then he apologized again online. But what people didn't like was is that he almost seemed annoyed that he had to apologize again. And what people really want, I'm not saying that the homosexual community, the LGBTQ community, it doesn't have a right to feel any upset about anything ever. But the bulk of people I'm seeing whether they're LGBTQ or allies or not, or whatever, who are angry at this. Really, it's just about joining into a collective pylon. It's It's about, oh, I don't like Kevin Hart, and you shouldn't be allowed to have this position because this position to me is like this coveted position of being a celebrity and i don't get to be a celebrity so if you get to be a celebrity you should have to have earned it and you should be righteous or else it's not fair that you get to do it and i don't And that's honestly how i see a lot of these things people aren't pissed if they're your are better than mine and i'm not happy about it yeah, i'm happy about it <laughs>
1: it's, also the, it's, also the, it's also the thing where people throw out nuance like um, one of the writers in the Guardian this week he was saying that Kevin Hart's lost one of his films with um, Will Ferrell the whole concept of the film was that Will Ferrell was <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> afraid of being at any rate and therefore the whole joke. That um, he'd be any anyway, and that would be that's homophobic. I'm like, no mate, it's not homophobic. you ask most straight men, if you ask them what they're saying, the number one fair is prison, that number one fair is that they're gonna be raped they're gonna be raped in prison. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not a homophobic thing. It's that most straight men do not enjoy the idea of their
0: butt being penetrated by anything by anyone. Well it's nothing to do with look, let's just be clear about this. In that, so if that's the specific instance he used, then that's fucking stupidity because let's remove the actual act out of it, it's rape. So, yeah, let me yeah. let me simplify it for you, dude. It's rape. He doesn't and want to if be it's raped rape against yeah. a woman, Then there's there's no there's no discussion here, right? It's, it's very simple. So you, you can't call into the sexuality of it and say, well, actually, I'm going to take the sexuality side, the rape side, the against your will. <laughs> that's what I can find. like, and that that maybe talks about the intelligence level of somebody, right? But such an article but or
2: that's why that's why that book. As anyone who's listening, I really do recommend
0: it. I, it weirdly, he's he's the just, one who, uh, wrote uh the minutes there yeah, it goes yeah i still haven't read yeah. that but, I,
2: but I, I really liked it it's an audio book I, I took it and i i mean it happened in the yeah it was a really really good book to read and the other one i've been trying to read but i have to keep going back to the beginning because i end up getting distracted because i'm doing other things has been let me pull it up okay the righteous mind. Um, by Jonathan Haidt, why right. good people are divided by politics and religion. I got through about a good three four chapters, and I lost my way. And I was like, oh, I've just missed really good stuff. But I find I find this book interesting because I do think that by and large, um, he talks about how people come to people like to think that they're rational first, <laughs> and then come to an objective sort of outcome. That's what a lot of people would like to think, but by and large what happens is, is that people have the outcome and then straight away, they try and find the rationale for the outcome and then say, oh, well, that's objective. And that puts us into these political kind of tribes. And yeah, politics essentially is like a religion now. And so I, thought, I think it's really interesting, especially now when we've gone kind of, I, I think we've gone a bit de to be honest. Um, I think a it's a good book.
1: Yeah, I, 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 this week I haven't read anything. I've I've used the podcast. Um, uh, I caught up on um Jordan Peterson podcast. Um, which I thought was brilliant. I thought the um, podcast with uh, the, the Podfather. I can't remember what his name is now. Um, other than Joe Rogan, I thought it was brilliant. I thought David Goggins podcast with um with Podfather and the the guy that, that started off the pod the, the pod. The guy that the first president did podcast ever. Um, the, the
0: guy who started off podcasts is Adam Curry.
1: He wasn't on Joe Rogan. No, the guy that made not, the guy that the guy that that inspired Joe Rogan to do podcast. I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, sorry, and Andy Cunha, Andy Cunha, yeah. uh, uh, cunha, or Andrew Cunha, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I know you're talking about that. Yeah, 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 I really
1: enjoyed that one. And I enjoyed David Goggins. I have started reading David Goggins. Um, you can't, um, you can't hurt me. Um, I've gone to, I think I'm on the first chapter. Uh, I find, I find that I've, I've really, read it a
0: time and a half
1: yeah, I I've I find <laughs> really, really interesting way of taking on an audio book because of the audio books normally people read an audio book pretty much how they've written it but the, I think what they've done is that they've they've they the, the narrator reads the chapter reads the story reads the chapter and then they go back and then they discuss the chapter and in a, in a podcast form which is really interesting, and I think that could be the way forward going forward for biographies of people are still alive um so they can discuss they can they can go through and discuss things and then break down some of the the, the, the key points of the chapter, which i think is um, interesting but other than that i haven 't been reading anything i 've been've been, I've been busy really but um, yeah it 's just been a, a busy week all right guys it 's been a long podcast and i've i 've really enjoyed it i 'm not gonna lie i' really i've really enjoyed this week's podcast. It's nice sometimes. We 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 do these things where we get in and we get bogged down into the detail and it's it's good. So um, thanks applause for coming on coming on this week. I, I think thanks we, both
0: me and Ben. Yeah, join us now. again. It's been it's been good. It's been good.
1: Yeah, uh, so as always, I say this always if you go on SoundCloud, iTunes and all other podcasts podcast um, apps, please rate and share us. If you share us, if you rate us and Charles will go we'll go high up on iTunes rate. And people will see more people see our um, podcast and then they will listen to us. Uh, and, um, yeah, we should, we should do this at the beginning, <laughs> yeah, we should. And we always forget, <laughs> but we got into the weeds this week. So, <laughs> uh, as always, um, guys, it's lights up from me. I hope you have a good week.
0: Yeah, lights up from me. Have a great week, people. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week. All
1: right, guys, thanks. Bye.